Hey everybody, if you haven't listened to the first episode of this series, please pause this one and go listen to that one real quick. You're going to enjoy it and it's going to set you up for the whole series. If you have already listened to it, welcome to this episode where Karen Phelps helps me peel back the onion of reality. So... Karen is an amazing mentor for me. She's what you would call a program buster. She helps me create an awareness around my programmed narratives. And those narratives are what control and run my reality. So in this episode, you're not going to hear the same ridge as... The first episode or even the same ridges now Karen helps me recognize that I wear many masks and she helps me expose different pieces of myself throughout this episode and while she's doing that she's coaching me through those pieces and making me aware of the narratives that are running them if you're into the evolution of our awareness genetic chemistry and Ascension Descending. You're going to really enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. I've got Karen Phelps here. A very special woman, a very special friend. So before I get into talking with Karen, I'm going to tell a little bit of a narrative of how she came into my uh, reality, I would say. So the first time I, uh, I met Karen, I was at, I think it was like May, June, Farmer's Market, like 2018. I had long hair um, and was wearing a woman's dress from our local shopping cart grocery store. (laughs) I don't even know if she really even remembers, remembers, but she came up and I just noticed her, the artwork on her body um, and just that connection uh, of how I resonated with the art she chose to put on her body gave us um, this platform of communication And from there, there was this attraction that started to come out. And it was, it was a funny time for me because I had just, you know, gone through the inevitable breakup with, uh, I think what you would probably term as the twin flame. I was a male dating another male. So I was very effeminate in myself. And then when I felt this attract, like Karen wanting to talk to me, this male with long hair and a dress and just the attraction of energy she put out, not even from like a heavy sacral place, but an attraction from like just a heart place. It made me step back into my masculine, but in a different form and in a different way and very slow. I think that was his first step of me recognizing like, whoa, I have that polarity with women. I have that attraction with women. And then slowly after that, I ended up leaving Ashland and I come down to California. I spend out this whole little time of 
family karma in California. And then when I come back up to Ashland a year and a half later, Oregon, my hair is shaved. I've been stepping into just like a different place in terms of how I relate sexually with attracting to others. And when I saw Karen, it was actually at the Pride Festival. And where she was, where we first spot, like kind of spotted one another, was actually where, um, what would you say, like pro-Christians? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a camp of um, people protesting the Pride uh, Parade via, yeah, their allegedly Christian <laughs> ideals. Um, I mean, it was pretty respectful, but... Um, so there was a, a group of people who came to protest the protesters, but uh, in a gentle, loving manner. <laughs> and then that's when we ran into and to one another. And for me, I was like, oh, like, whoa, it's this woman that sparked this masculine. And I think she sparked it not from this place of um, woman seducing man, but woman showing up in her proper masculine, just like her own um I think just proper father form in a way because we all have our own father and mother form and that's what really sparked I think the masculine ch change in me mm -hmm. between her so when I showed back up and saw her and my hair was chopped off and that's why I say Karen showing up in my reality because she shows up she's been showing up at times of key potency I'm blessed to have Karen as a friend Karen is a human who carries the clarity within her awareness to accept the masculine and the feminine that you are showing up with. And that's how I'd like to introduce Karen Phelps. Wow. <laughs> um, that, <clears throat> I know you've told me that before, and yet it... Um it's still just amazing to hear and I think is a testament to how each of us um, affects those around us on a daily basis. And it's a little sad that a lot of us don't ever get to hear about that. And here I am being gifted this ability to hear how just my presence can influence and amplify what's already inside of you actually like I'm just I'm just a mirror walking around really and there's nothing that I'm giving to you or doing for you in fact it's um, you at a certain time coordinate being activated to um, express something that is contained within you that's what's beautiful about how we all come into each other's lives at this point um, nothing is accidental <laughs> My first question that I wanted to ask you just by like coming on, because when we first got together, you were like, oh, this was, and I don't know how you termed it linguistically, but like, can you tell just me again, your process, like the process of expansion, mm. like mind expansion, consciousness expansion. Um, so however you want to phrase it, I would really love to just hear that. Um, you mean ascension? Yeah. <laughs> should, I, should I say the word? Say the word. <laughs> Yeah, I think in a really practical manner, it I think expansion is great too um, because it's really in essence what it is. It's expansion and integration, embodiment of a higher vibrational frequency and way of living, simply. 
And however we choose to individually experience that and express it, completely up to us. There are no rules. Um, and I think that's partly why in the spiritual world, it's quite the soup at this point, um, where we see a little bit of everything and there's not a lot of uh, consensus yeah. within that reality. Karen and I were talking right before she got, we started recording and I was like, hey, I'm gonna introduce you in terms of like how I met you. And she was said, oh, like I'm gonna be that Karen today. For me, and I think what Karen understands um, in this reality and what we're experiencing as a consciousness is we play multiple forms of ourself within, I think, just the fold of time, um, kind of like an accordion in and out. Could you tell me, like, the normal Karen? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she exists. <laughs> right? Which is a very true statement, actually. Um, <laughs> um, it's a really good question. I... Um, what I've come to understand is that we're, we're all wearing many, many, many masks. So um, this becomes a p probably most evident to people who are aware of their internal process when they get triggered or a wound comes up. And then all of a sudden, we're playing out this role that was given to us almost like a virus a at some point in time, who knows when or where, you know, sometimes we know, sometimes we don't, and we, bec we start playing a different role. And um, so that's when it's most obvious, but it's actually really subtle too. And we can see how we shift with lovers, how our energy shifts at work, how our energy shifts with children, with animals, whatever. Um, we can see how we feel when we're home alone versus in a crowd of people. Um, and so once we become aware of how we're navigating all of this, it gets a little trippy, I think, because we're like, hang on a second, I actually don't, enjoy being that version of Karen and so what can I do to shift that and what we come to find out eventually is that we're none of those roles which begs the question who are we and what are we and it's like we're all of it and none of it all at the same time and it's one of those paradoxes that we get to puzzle over probably for the rest of our lives <laughs> when was I guess when do you have your Humpty Dumpty moment and like who were mm. you just like just because I know I probably have some people coming on here who are from um, just where I grew up or even from smaller towns that you know don't I guess they are in their state of wearing a certain normality like a social normality it's not even having to be like normal Karen but can you just tell them like what social normality were you wearing and then what cracked Oh, egg. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a good story. Um, <laughs> maybe someday I'll be able to tell all the details of that story. But what I can say is that um, in so Karen grew up in a rural part of New Mexico um, and had a really interesting upbringing. Karen uh, went to college, got married to a doctor, um, got to experience financial security for the first time in her life. Um, and, you know, we were together 12 years and we had a daughter as well. Life was good. Life was perfect. I experienced a, a safety, security, contentment that probably some people on this planet never experienced. Can I question you for one second? Yes. You did just say, because I do, I, I like... Um, analyzing this uh linguistic relativity of you said perfect <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. i guess i mean according to okay. that view, that view. 
of life. Like everyone, so I get, I get divorced. And this sent a shockwave because it was my decision to leave my marriage. This sent a shockwave through my community here, through people in my life because, and I heard this over and over, you were the perfect couple. You know, what could have possibly have been wrong in my life that would necessitate me to leave it? So I, that's, so let me frame it. So that's where I'm coming from with that comment. Um, so we have these external expectations and definitions and, and um, containers that we fit ourselves in, right? So, so I get a divorce. Um, I head out on my own and it was just, I mean, I understand it now looking back, but at the time there was actually another event that happened. How much of this do you want to know? Should I keep it shorter? The other, okay. So I'm married. I have a daughter. Everything's quote unquote perfect, right? In 2013, I'm 36 years old. My mother informs me that the father I grew up with was not my biological father. Kaboom. There's the nuclear bomb on the quote unquote perfect life. And I couldn't have known it at the time, like how those that effect would ripple out. And so looking back, it wasn't linear. Um, and I was just stumbling through this situation that had landed on me very suddenly and unexpectedly. So I met the man who, who was my biological father. And he was 81 years old, a retiree in Florida who had never had any other children. So he became a dad and a grandfather all in one day at the age of 81. And we met up with my mom and spent four days together. And it just blew my mind how similar I could be to a perfect stranger. And just it was the beginning of a really beautiful relationship that lasted exactly nine months when he passed away in March of 2014. It's like a birth, nine months. <laughs> <laughs> so this also was another nuclear bomb. Um, and within a few months after that, I was requesting the divorce. So um, my 2014, hands down, the worst year of my life so far. And just really tumbled and tumbled for years afterwards, trying to recreate myself, who I was, what this life is. So... So in 20, March of 2017, here's the crack. Here's the Humpty Dumpty moment. <laughs> so in March of 2017, I'm working for a company. I'm, you know, trying to do the thing to be the responsible single mother, you know, and, uh, and do the thing. So I'm, a, I'm an overachiever. I'm a perfectionist. Um, that's one of Karen's stories, one of the roles she plays. And I was working at this job that really in a lot of ways I thought was my dream job. I got to do a lot of things I'd always wanted to do. I was learning a lot, working with some really fun people. And shit just started unraveling in ways I couldn't even explain. And it didn't make logical sense. And like I couldn't make my boss happy about anything. And they kept challenging me, trying to find something wrong with what I was doing. And I was like, what is even going on? So finally, some stuff went down and I was like, that's it, I have to quit. And in a complete just chaos state, I decided I had to get away for the weekend. And I went alone to the desert <laughs> and had a complete spontaneous awakening that occurred out there and um, alone basically with the stars and just got downloaded in a moment of like, everything that we know as reality is not reality that none of this is like 
real that who we are and what we're doing here literally nobody has the answer to that there are how many billions of people on this planet and no one can tell us where we are what we're doing who we are nobody can answer this really basic question and yet we wake up every morning as though we have any idea and we play these roles i wake up as karen karen eats this breakfast karen does this work um and so all of that got shattered just completely and dramatically and i've been trying to figure it out ever since (laughs) it's the adventure of a lifetime we we did bring up the word uh ascension yes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and for me um like we i like karen said there's like a big soup going on um and honestly in that big soup that's going on you know there's some big boiling that's happened at the bottom and some people hanging out that bottom getting a little charty getting a little burnt up then that's i feel like that's just the karma we're pushing through but also in this soup there's this notion of at least for me like we're going up we're going like i guess the word ascension is like oh you got to get to the quote-unquote next level like get to the next level get to the next level and I guess the the view that Ascension gives me is I have to um, like push out for some reason. I get this sense of like mm-hmm. elevating and like pushing outwards out of my body. So can I push you and say like, do you believe that maybe it's, is it maybe a descension? I think it's both. <clears throat> yeah. So we are descending our higher self into our human form and we have to rise to meet it. And I guess that gets me to like my next point too, because you did talk. So I, I guess when I like would meet up with Karen, there would be these moments where I was, I was definitely vulnerable. So I was going through a lot of like sacral, just like, you know, let's, let's say it normal reality, genital stuff. I was going through like some genital sexual stuff and like trying to clear out. And, um, I was really talking to her about, how when I would try to do, you know, medicine work, whether it be with marijuana or any sort of plant medicine, that just in a sense, it keeps becoming more sensitive and more sensitive. And then the day her and I met up, and I don't know if you remember this out at the park, I was just telling you, I was like, I've been feeling so high today and I haven't done anything like I haven't smoked I haven't done anything but I feel and it kind of makes me feel a little anxious like just in the central nervous system um so I guess like what's your take on that like on what's happening with um ascension descending into the body it's a great question um I will try to (laughs) tie all this together um I think it's a lot of things and I think first and foremost it's always an internal process because as we know there's nothing we can experience in our external reality that doesn't come from within us nothing and I know that that can trigger a lot of people but it's at least a theory I'm testing myself and I have yet to see where it's not true so let's just put it that way um the other thing is that there is undeniably something going on I track space weather for example and there is there's correlations with this. So if if anyone wants to follow the Schumann resonance, um, which is um, basically the frequency at which Earth is operating herself, and then we as beings on her planet also resonate at these frequencies. And so then the solar weather comes in, and it 
it has influences on our brain waves. This is known. This is scientific fact. So we can see that with different solar weather, different brain states are being activated. So you have your alpha, your, your gamma, your theta, you know, all these things. And different kinds of space weather and Schumann resonances um, resonate with different brainwave states. Now, we can go even further and see that brainwave states also produce either coherence or dissonance with our heart rhythms. So when we bring those into a state of coherence, that's when magic really starts to happen. <laughs> so there's this internal, external, constant, as within, without, above, below um, flow that's happening. And it's when we become more conscious of this process that we can start to steer it for good rather than be in a reactive state of, oh God, why am I feeling nervous and anxious today? Um, and then, I mean, the first thing I do when I wake up and I feel that way, I check the Schumann resonance. And I'm like, what's going on in the field today, folks? And there it is. And it, not always. I think there's things we can't identify. But oftentimes there are some answers for this. Um, so I don't know if that helps. Oh, the other thing is, is that a lot of people, the more that we meditate, the more that we uh, go along our path in this way, we're changing our chemistry. And I think a lot of us are activating our, I mean, this is one theory I have. I'm not sure what the data shows on this. No, I wanted you to get to this. I think I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. It's activating our pineal gland and other glands that are involved in releasing endogenous um, DMT in our brains. And then mm -hmm. we circulate that through our cerebrospinal fluid, through dance, through yeah. yoga, through other um, physical movements. So we're literally getting naturally high. Yeah. And that's <laughs> why I think where I wanted to go kind of with this, because you know, I grew up from this place of, so I was in a really, just like an, like, I guess I call them like, they're my no friends, my, my normal, my normal part of my life, my no, no town. And it's funny because the town I come from is called Fresno. So it's no. <laughs> so I think a big thing that what I was doing there was, you know, there was just this, such a rigorous structure and I could actually see my, well, even just my brother go through with it. He couldn't, couldn't, I don't want to put that on him he had tension with going through just that day-to-day -day, like school life and having to live in that system. So I think a big escape for him and I that we started to find was marijuana. And marijuana would have given us this like, oh, whoa, there's this sense of more to reality, more to the experience, music. Um, but now what I've experienced with just what's happening to me day-to-daily, day-to-daily, is that like what you were saying with more of our chemistry changing in terms of when I choose to accept the expansion of reality, the expansion of my perception, I start to get this like almost anxiousness and like it feels kind of speedy, not, not the drug speed, just the energy in my body feels speedy. Um, I know that I've gained sensitivities to like caffeine and coffee so one thing that like I like I'll have to combat coffee with like magnesium. Worst case scenarios, if I get really anxious with coffee, I will have to combat it with like a marijuana, like a sativa or something. Yeah. And so I think that's how do you see that correlating in terms of just like day to day life? Like how is it integrating? Ooh, I mean, I've been really lucky because I haven't had a, a day job for a while. <laughs> So my heart goes out to everybody who are really holding their daily lives afloat and going through this. I was blessed to be able to take some time off from life to integrate these energies. Yeah. Big deal. Um, and 
self-care is absolutely the foundation of this process and this path that we're all going through, whatever that means for us. Um, and there's a way to do that in a real nourishing way to our vessel on a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level. And there's ways that we're told in popular culture to do it that actually aren't, that are more distracting, like shopping with your girlfriends, not what I'm talking about with self-care, doing your nails, not what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about like Epsom salt baths at night, which are very helpful for anxiety, getting that magnesium in, you know, transdermally, um, being out in nature is absolutely crucial. Like having a nature connection, um, particularly water, I think is really helpful. Natural sources of water, drinking spring water. We're blessed here in our Southern Oregon home to have many sources of that. I highly recommend identifying a home spring so that you can, you can get in touch with those codes within your own body. Um, meditation. So the vagus nerve is one of the biggest pathways um, in our body that allows us to help regulate. And breath work, chanting or toning, and meditation are some of the best ways to access that. And that helps enormously with anxiety and grounding the energies. So there's, there's a lot of tools in the toolbox. And so when these these well yeah what you mentioned but with caffeine same thing i had to give up coffee yes we just have to keep being honest with ourselves and checking in with ourselves and using the tools that probably a lot of us have been given and we know what we're supposed to be doing and well here's the weird thing so so i knew karen was going to show up today i hope you know we were figuring out the plans definitely keeping it fluid but i knew she was going to show up today so yesterday i Last night I was like watching some stuff, getting some like just doing my own downloading for a minute before I go to bed. And then I was like, yo, like we're going to take the magnesium. We're going to get a good night's sleep. Get up, go like take dog on a walk. You're going to go to the gym because why I guess why I'm going through this whole thing is just setting up my vessel. Like I texted Karen was like, hey, I'm going to go to the Y. I'm going to stretch and drop into my body because I, one, I know that like when Karen shows up, just when other people that are doing the work show up, they, like she said, she's the mirror. So I was like, yo, I'm going to go do my, do a mile run, stretch, get a little bit of peck pump and get in the sauna shower. Because I was like, I got to be showing up bright. I got to be not necessarily bright. Like, oh, I need to have all this light, but just showing up clear. Because she, when she was stepping up in the room, when she was coming, she just carried, like, I think the vibration gets to this point where it's a little, like I said, my nervous system starts to get a little like, whoo. So I don't think if I would have dropped in, I think I wouldn't have been able to handle that energy. So why I'm, I guess why I'm bringing up the whole, like, why I went and worked out is because she made up a good point of taking the steps and the breath work and whatever work you need just to keep dropping in to the body. Um, so I guess I want to ask you, like, do you have practices? Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, and they're really, I don't think any of this is going to sound revolutionary. Everyone kind of wants the magic pill. Everybody wants the magic. Give me the matrix. (laughs) And it's really simple. Um, you know, and honestly, so I've been on this self-progression thing for about a decade because back after having my daughter, 
um, I started having health symptoms and um, kind of went on this journey of trying to quote unquote fix myself and, and made a lot of headway. So, you know, I've been eating a whole foods diet for a decade. You know, I don't do gluten. I do very little dairy. And most of the food I eat comes from the earth in some way, shape or form. I don't eat a lot of processed food. I can't even tell you the last time I had fast food. Like, you know, so that's that's been the foundation of my life. Um, I've always been an athlete. Movement is very important to me. Um, and always has been, I have a certification in a fitness training system, you know, so that was always something that I did. Um, and I always had a nature connection as well. I mean, so there was a lot, there was a foundation I already had. Um, so if someone's missing any of those pieces, those are things to consider, um, taking really good care of yourself physically. Then after my awakening, I started realizing how much sleep I needed. And I would just take these what I called coma naps during the day. And I initially had this programming that it was lazy, that something was wrong with me. Um, Like, oh, my God, why do I need all this rest? And now I'm like, my body needs rest. There's no judgment. There's no it's like, okay, it's time to take a rest. And like the other day, I was about to go run errands. And because it doesn't happen that much anymore, luckily, my body has shifted over now because I've been taking such good care of it. Um, it was like 11 in the morning and I felt the nap coming on and I was like, what? I'm No, I'm going to the grocery store. And my body was like, no, you're not. You're going to take a nap. And I'm like at 11. That's not even my normal time. So I sit in the chair. I'm like, OK, fine. Take me where you will for a half an hour. And I woke up almost exactly a half an hour later with an idea for an email I had to send at that moment. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is so interesting. So starting to understand the importance of rest um, and how it fuels us and feeds us and how we're doing work while we're sleeping for crying out loud. So, um, yeah. What was the question again? I'm just talking about all these wonderful things we can do for ourselves. (laughs) I mean, just the main question of the scope was just the practices, I think, just the essential practices. but I think just moving on from that topic, I wanted to go into uh, what you, because I talked about you helping me see more clearly um, just the masculine natures mm. in myself. So how how do you think like we're collectively healing it? Well, there's a big question. Um, <laughs> so first and foremost, I think it's important given relativity of terms that we are discussing spiritual energy. So not a gender binary when we talk about masculine and feminine. Um, And at least historically in most traditions, there is some acknowledgement of spiritual energies as being one or the other. And that's because we live in a place of duality. So, you know, just trying to like head off any trigger alerts um, for anybody. So whatever you're expressing in yourself is perfect and beautiful. So nobody's telling anyone that they have to be this or that or need to be this or that. So so what we're discussing is the play of energy um, here and through us individually. So each of us is masculine and feminine energy, dancing in different ratios and probably given at different points in time. Like there's times I know I'm operating in my masculine and there's times I'm operating in my feminine Um, even though I'm a feminine heterosexual woman in this, in this body and in this lifetime. Um, and yeah, for some reason, actually I have just, I've always been in my masculine energy. Um, back in the day before ultrasounds, the doctor actually told my mom I was going to be a boy because of how much I moved in her belly. (laughs) 
Um, and you know, at 18 months I was on top of the refrigerator. Like I was a complete, just, I should have been an extreme sports athlete, you know, if that had existed when I was a kid. Um, so that's always been my mode. And what I've discovered through the spiritual process is that that's shifting for me and I'm coming more into my feminine. So instead of running and, um, doing power sports, I'm now finding that I really enjoy dancing and yoga all of a sudden. Um, so we are always shifting in these energies inside of ourselves. I like what you said about the ratios, um, because that was the whole point of me saying the the story at the beginning was you, um, I think you just helped me play with my ratio and you accepted my ratio at both times, like boy wearing dress, boy shaved hair and not wearing dress at all. Um, but I think a cool thing too is, how do you see it happening overall collectively on the whole network (laughs) you know yeah and where do you see it um permeating like what do you see it seeping itself into yeah so i mean you brought up toxic masculinity so we can definitely see how this is playing out collectively and i think we can all agree that we've been on kind of a patriarchal cycle for a while I don't personally, uh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I don't necessarily personally identify um, as a feminist or I, there's a lot about that camp that is reactive to. Reactive, I like that. And so I'm not playing on those dualities and those polarities. I understand them and I think that we're coming into balance. So something like the Me Too movement that blew up a couple years ago, and rightly so, I will add, um, you know, that was to balance the the extreme that had gone to the other side. However, you know, the whole time the Me Too thing is going on, I'm also like, well, hang on a second, folks, because if we include the prison population of males in this country, they actually out, they probably do some competition about the stats behind rape. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Of course, women are having this experience at the hands of men. That's a thing. There are also women walking this this earth who have been sexually abused by other women. These are the conversations we need to be having. So when we're not arguing from polarity-based consciousness, we can start to see the truth of humanity. So Well, I mean, behavior is learned. We need to provide space for what you were just saying, like with the males being raped. I mean, it's, it's massive. It's massive. Men still don't have a voice collectively yeah. around that topic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to come. It's going to happen. Probably through the Catholic Church. You heard it her first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I've, I don't even want to get too, too. That's <laughs> the thing, too, about that whole, that whole notion of, and what we've done with sexuality in general, um, just like Pandora boxed it so that when anybody wants to open up their sexuality, it's like this whole bag of unknowing chaos because we were never taught to integrate some sort of system to incorporate our sexuality and to express our sexuality. And this ties back directly to what we were talking about earlier about um, the roles we play. Yeah. And so I, 
I have been just so heterosexual in my life. I've actually mm. never even been sexually with a woman, yeah. um, which now that I think about it surprises me because it's not that intellectually I'm close to the idea, but I've never, I realized I've never had a woman like walk into the room and me go, oh my God, I've got to get on that. You know, it's just <laughs> never happened. And, and I'm curious about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yet, um, that is a role that Karen is playing. Yeah. Well, and that's funny that you're and saying it can shift. that because as soon as you're saying that story, I, and I think that's why we're really cool mirrors for one another is because I have that, like I was given that experience and I think that's why I resonate with you. Um, so like I haven't had much experience with women, um, but there was this one girl, you know, we were in high school and shorter hair, really like pixie style hair, new girl on the scene. And she walks past me from like second period to third period. And we just would like make eye contact. And I'd be like, who is that? <laughs> and I think it's because she was walking with a different ratio than me. Mm. And it's just that like it was a similar ratio of like masculine to feminine that like you reeled me in with you when I was wearing a dress and like had my long hair. But even now, like without the dress and long hair, like I can still just feel like that ratio feels better if that from my experience um so yeah it's weird to have someone come in and to change your reality because she came in and i actually thought i was um like well i let people put put me into like gay into mm -hmm. like that faggot category yeah the roles we play and you know i think there's imagine all the suffering for people especially like let's go back to talking about men and their sexuality and how many men get locked into this box of, of heterosexuality when they're actually ready to open up and explore something else and how much suffering that can produce for somebody who doesn't know that that's okay well and the thing too i want to push with like um discovering our sexuality is not even from the place of you need to blow each other to know each other <laughs> But from the place I've never of, heard that. Oh my god! <laughs> just from this place of like, hey, like, yeah, if you want, um, if you're a woman and you know, like, another woman comes in and there's that attraction, like, what's wrong with platonic intimacy? And like, what is, what's the hang up with us giving ourselves that level of satisfaction without having to push for like, oh, I need to like get an orgasm out of this yes actually yeah that's the bigger conversation yeah. is intimacy in general and how there's so many of us breaking down these these borders and boundaries and and learning what that means to do that safely and respectfully um yeah it's kind of beautiful to see all this happening like platonic cuddling wasn't even anything that was on my radar until like a year ago and a friend brought it up and apparently like he's a at least he was while he was single was a target for many women asking him for a quote-unquote platonic cuddling and he never he didn't give in to most of the requests because he suspected there was something underlying it there was a manipulation yeah. and he was right and actually a couple of them confessed later that it was really like they just wanted to get him close and you know in into the scenario where something romantic could happen so it's interesting like that we're playing with this and creating safety and honor and respect for each other like no matter who we are yeah. Well, and I think, too, what's really cool about, like, I don't know if you felt this with personal interactions, but since I've chosen to kind of just dive in um, 
drop into my body and have that awareness. So when I'm with someone now, like when I'm, because I know my own relation, like if I'm getting anxious off the coffee, then I know like, whoa, my internal relationship with this is not, it's not good anymore because there's this vibration. So literally, literally, literally <laughs> like ah, I'm crazy. Um, so I guess a weird experience that I've had going back is like, once that started to happen for me, I was trying to relate like on an intimate level with another male. And it was weird showing up because I kept like, I knew that it wasn't 100. Like I could feel the energetic um, of like me wanting to be there wasn't 100, but I still wanted to, I think for me at that moment, I was like, well, I, w I need to fulfill this role of intimacy. And so by allowing that, I started to like get closer and we were getting closer and like kissing started to happen. And then all of a sudden I like got scared and I could feel fear coming up. And then like literally a minute later, they grabbed my neck and started doing like wanting to do domination over me. Whoa. That's when I decided I wanted to step out of interacting within that narrative with them. So I was wondering if you have sensed this with any other forms of communication. Oh, yeah. This gets into a whole new thing. I've really been geeking out on this recently because I think as we step back into more of an observer state of energy and how that plays out through people, it, oh man, it's almost, it's a rabbit, it's a dangerous rabbit hole. And I'm, I'm like, oh God, here's another example of Karen not being able to function on the planet normally because, because I, it really does, the, the more we get better at identifying that, you just see it everywhere. Well, so what are you exactly identifying just so they know? So let me see if I can explain it. We all carry what I call programs and, and that's kind of related to the roles that we play. Um, and so we figure out which programs we want to be running and which ones are running that aren't good for us or those around us. So basically what ends up happening is that when someone else enters our field, there can be an amplification of negative traits, which we've all experienced, you know, bad influences. Or, you know, if you're in a romantic situation, we all know that's going to trigger. If you have shadows, that relationship's going to find it, right? They're going to come up. So... Once we start playing with these energies, we can see when someone, just maybe even by their presence, but maybe by their behaviors as well, are getting us to participate in their program okay. with them. Okay. And this is where we have to get really careful. Okay. And I see this playing out collectively as well. Like when we vote for someone in office, we are participating in a gigantic collective consensus and we're giving these people permission to continue operating things the way that they have been, yeah. which I think we can all agree. It's not really going where we want it to go. We really need a new bus driver. So, and it's ourselves, by the way, we are all our own bus drivers. Um, so that's the thing. You get really good at identifying it and then choosing. You just pause for a moment and you can say, is this something I want to participate in? And, you know, this came up for me recently. Um, you know, I'm starting to really see codependency, which means I'm identifying it in myself because we have to be honest about it. And so now I'm seeing it everywhere else. And I see it in friendships and romance. It's so, so this is like, this is why I love Karen and I dropped in just for a minute, just looking at each other's eyes. Um, and we're still like, I feel like just in this conversation because we have two mics, 
um, next to our face. <laughs> we're still, and, I, and we, I, at least I feel like I'm talking to someone else while talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still constantly dropping in, but I, that's exactly where I was going to go next. And that's why I know we're definitely just like connecting. That's how I, for me as a listener, I'm like, oh, I'm actually listening to her because she brought up codependency and I was already thinking of codependency and asking her, how does codependency relate to our programs? So you said we run off programs Mm -hmm. and then those programs create narratives. Right. And then we get each other (laughs) to interact on those narratives and on small planes, like even just me and my dog playing out the story in the morning of like, will I feed you? What will I feed you? (laughs) Will we go on the walk? Are we going to stay here? Right. Um, So I guess what, where, because we need interdependence. Yes. I think that's the thing where, (laughs) how do you see us breaking through codependency, not having to worry about becoming this like reclusive monk out in the Himalayas Mm -hmm. and really being able to be like, normal here yes so this this is some of the most exciting stuff that I'm really thinking about right now and as a a mentor um, I work with clients on these sorts of things too so I just thank you for asking I'm just going to explode with joy right now Um, so if codependency is a program so let's say each of us is an iPhone Boom, just just yes. for just for reference and at some point in our history probably as children something happened we didn't get some needs met. We were punished for just being a beautiful child, whatever it was that wounded us. It's like we downloaded an app called codependency. And so we have this app wound trigger that as we navigate our world, we're looking for the other piece we have a key. We're looking for the lock and we find the locks over and over and over again until we get the memo hang on a second, I have a key, but I don't have to put it in the lock. And that's how you break a program, is with self-awareness. And so the external world... So wait, what's the key and what's the lock? It probably doesn't matter. It's interchangeable. Okay, so, so but it, those are the codependency natures, right. is what you're saying? Like the lock and the key are working in That's the co of the dependency, right? And, and then you're right. The other law on this planet is interdependency. There is, there's not a single food you put in your mouth on a daily basis that probably wasn't touched by dozens of hands in one way or another. It is incredible when you stop to think about, I mean, this whole idea of like a man being an island is just, it's ridiculous. It's not even possible here. Um, and so we can give thanks for the beauty of that interdependence and be responsible for the energy that we're contributing to those systems. So that's how you break the codependency is by you first identify like, hang on a second, this isn't getting me what I want. This is not how I want to feel. This isn't how I want to live my life. Then you probably go through a period of being angry. This is usually when everyone seems to think that everyone in their life has been a narcissist and they are an empath. And bless you all, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a story and it's an important place on the journey to separate ourselves from that program that's running. And in this case, we're using an example of codependency. There are many, many, many programs. Um, and so you do, you separate yourself, you identify the dynamics. And then at some point, though, you start to understand that we have played probably all parts of that dynamic. It's never one or the other. We're never always the victim. We're never always the victim. And when we get honest with ourselves, we can start to say, oh, and it may have been 
you know, when you're a kid or, you know, I don't know. It's just like we play all these roles. Again, here we are. We're playing out these roles, right? And that's when we can bring forgiveness in for ourselves, for when we were confused, for when we acted out of a need for survival, for when we did something we needed to do. And then, oh my God, you start looking around. You're like, I forgive that person because they were also confused because they were playing out their wounds and trauma. I mean, my parents are forgiven forever. Like, you know, I can completely see them as the whole individuals that they are and the challenges they faced. Um, you know, everyone always asked me when I found out about my father, they were like, you know, did that just kill your relationship with your mother? And I'm like, no, it healed it because I knew I, there was something in me that always knew there was something between us. And then all of a sudden there was nothing more between us. We could be real with each other. So, um, so that's, and then you, so you forgive yourself, you forgive others And then you can start to behave um, in a way that isn't swinging on this chandelier of duality of this or that, black or white, dark or light, whatever those dualities are. We can start to operate in a more uh, coherent bandwidth versus the extremes. Yeah. Well, and I think what's a really cool thing that I just picked up from what you're bringing up with the extremes and then what you also said with there's nothing between my mother and I. How do you think the truth dissolves this? Like, how do you think the truth creates Mm. a space for there to not be the major swings between black and white and for there to be no no more minutia between you and your mother? It's a great question. So the way I understand this is that each of us has an energy field. And when we have traumas, woundings, programs, those are distortions in our energy field. Those get picked up by everyone around us, whether we want them to or not, one way or another, energetically, um, via our words, our body language, how we interact with the world. And that's how the keys find the locks, right? Yeah. We don't consciously mean to keep choosing someone who keeps us in a codependent pattern, but that's what keeps happening until we figure it out. So my mother had a massive distortion in her field. She told me she was so ashamed of what happened because she was married and I was the third out of four children. And so she'd had this affair during the marriage. And so here she was with this child. And luckily I didn't look totally different, you know, so she kind of <laughs> could sneak me in there. But she, she said it was, the sh- it was a shame for her and my father to basically hide. She told very few people in her life about this. So she carried that. Everything she expressed to me was being expressed through that distortion to me, whether I knew it or not. And so it's there. And and this is what happens when we have secrets and shame and guilt and embarrassment and all of that that we carry. Um, Well, I mean, it sounds to me like it's just like it's not that there's because she's recognizing a portion of the truth. She's recognizing that something did happen. But I think what we do is we put a lens on it. So then it distort, like you're saying, distorts the image. Um, and then the clarity between people isn't resonant anymore. The energy can't flow. Yeah. And so th- you feel the blockages. You feel how it's not straight truth. Yeah. Um, and so it allowed the energy to flow between my mom and I. And all of a sudden I saw her as a, as a human being, as a, a confused 27-year-old woman who whose husband had had... Um, a traumatic brain injury in a car accident years before and it probably completely affected their marriage in ways that you know here she was like 
you know, helping, she had a, a family with two kids at the time and it affected my dad's life at the dad who raised me, his life. And so here was this confused woman who was getting attention from this guy and I totally could all of a sudden see the very human story that all of us carry and could forgive her, could forgive my, my biological father for being such a, you know, a guy um, to, to do something like that and forgive myself for the times that um, I've behaved in ways like that out of confusion as well. Yeah. And forgiveness for everybody. So I think what I wanted to go back to is you were saying, oh, like we you can think of yourself as your phone. And so that's a really big, um, just been a big topic for me. I think we as humanity are creating technologies and we're at a certain point in the timeline of that. We're, we're, we are, so you talk about these advanced civilizations, aliens, these spaceships, that is us. That's our future self. We've already, we've already done it. And sorry, I know this is getting really weird, but we are literally creating that future. However, there are infinite timelines and, p and potentialities, right? Infinite realities. We're going to bring that theory in here too. So I think a lot of us have traveled out and seen where some of these technologies go when it's not ethically done, when it's not done with consideration for the all, for mother nature, for you know humanity for organic humanity i think that's a good point like it's i think that's what earth is is just the organic nature yes yeah and i think we can all see that there's a lot of options out there that will take humanity into a non-organic place yeah. like you know we're talking about like brain implants at this point and i'm like folks this is not a good idea um so so I think, in my opinion, I think that those timelines are being rectified. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be an AI apocalypse. Um, I think that we're going to rein it in and use it for good, not evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, AI apocalypse is probably just us. Really, I, totally. Yeah. Because <laughs> nothing's yeah. external without it being internal. Well, and I think the thing, too, that we get freaked out about, it's like AI, artificial intelligence. It's like, who's to say that your intelligence isn't? artificial like who we've started to manipulate the structure of things so much that i think the artificiality of our brain has already been activated yep the yeah. lines get blurry <laughs> Wait, it's like what we're creating plastic 3d printing like we're creating it it's like that is in a way is it completely natural you know is that natural intelligence right there that we're creating um so i guess another uh, yeah what even is intelligence we'd have to come up with a really good definition of what that is i know yeah and that's i think that's the weird one in terms of like intelligence versus like consciousness yes what like is there a difference well and then you know we get into the collective what do they call it the noosphere where it's like there's just this <laughs> collective consciousness that we're all downloading from um, you know, Tesla talked about this, um, you know, um, so what's floating around up there? All sorts of things. Well, and that's weird that you're saying what's floating around out there, because that's kind of what I wanted to get into with my phone and my experience was. So I had two like deep relationships after I had, you know, gone to college and just was like becoming more of an individual moving away from hometown. Um, and so I'm here in Ashland 
you know, doing like, obviously doing work from being out of these like two heavier relationships and having the ability to relive time. I was flipping back on my photo albums and like, Oh, if I wanted to, I could like sexually please myself with like pictures of my past partners. Mm. And then the weirder thing was, is like I would get onto dating apps and I was using pictures Confession time. I know this is my <laughs> confession time. Those shirtless, those shirtless pics you got from me, Daddy. Those are those are from three years ago, four <laughs> years ago. Oh my god! I still have a good body now. I just don't know what people would think about my nipple piercing. So, <laughs> I. But it's funny. We start to re we reuse time and we reuse the past so often now with our technology. I don't think a lot of people realize it, and especially when you're coming from an unconscious state, like. I've been tricked. See, my pictures don't look mm. that obvious. You know, it's not, and I can't do a big obvious because I had long hair and now I have short hair. So I really can't do two. It's honestly probably the body pic that I'm using. It's a better, <laughs> it's a good angle. Um, but that's the weird thing that I was experiencing. And so I, re- I had this big realization. I recently upgraded, got a new phone four years later after having an old iPhone. And I was like, before you put, like back up your phone, your junk on your phone is your karma and like being creator being the one that knows you are creating like a self-identity through technology you can choose what karma you want to bring into like this next generation that's exactly right yeah and so it's for me um yeah, Rich has gotten a little sad a couple times and he's wanted to please himself that there's no pictures of like his past partners anymore to like go mm. back and like just even mentally please myself, you know? Um, but so, yeah. think about that though, because mm-hmm. as we hold on to the old, yeah. there's no room for the new. Trapped memories too. And distort, like you said, because it could be programmed from a distorted view of yourself from back then. Right. So even though I'm awake now, awake um i still i think still go through challenges as awake um oh yeah nothing easy about this path yeah so i guess the big thing for me that i experienced was um like i still feel the tension of wanting to go back to the past especially because i know i'm quote unquote like oh i'm more awake i'm fine now but i don't think i've gone back really to my past and rewritten my history from the knowledge that I have now. And that is exactly the meme I just posted yesterday about healing is time travel. So, yes. And, you know, in spiritual circles, they call it soul retrieval. Um, It's been a really organic process for me because as I've gotten good at identifying my wounds and triggers, I'm like, oh, where does this come from? And then I can identify it. Oh, that was teenage Karen because that situation was really fucked up. And oh, that was three-year-old Karen. I actually had a really important journey. One of my most healing journeys um, was on mushrooms. And um, I'll just be out about it, I guess. Um, But um, I got to meet uh, like two or three-year-old Karen. And literally in like an interstellar through the bookcase, you remember that movie? And like the dad in the bookcase sending a message. Yes. To That's exactly, oh. That is exactly what it was interstellar. like. Interstellar. Oh. That is exactly what this experience was like. And so it's interesting because a lot of people talk about like rescuing their inner child. My inner child rescued me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course I do everything kind of backwards, but, um, and, um, basically, um, I entered this dark room, you know, in my mind and it was pitch black. And, and then I see this pinprick of light in the distance and I'm like, what's that light? And so I go over to it and it gets a little bigger and a little bigger. And I just see this hand poking through the light and I stop <laughs> and I'm like, that is me when I was in, and I remembered, it's one of my earliest memories as a kid of being in my bedroom and having this like kind of psychedelic experience of cuddling with my sister's stuffed animals. And, and so I knew exactly, it was like where time was bending oh. around to. And she reached her hand through and I just said, oh God, baby Karen, I'm so sorry. I fucked everything up. I'm so, I'm so, I don't know what to tell you. And she said, no, this is what I wanted. And I, in one moment, one simple phrase, it became clear to me that we come here by choice and that we know what's going to happen. We know everything that's going to happen. We know the potentials. We know what we're going to face and that that's what we came here to do. And that's the medicine that we bring to others. So, so this was all, let's bring me back home. Where were we? Um, Oh, time travel. So, healing is time travel because we go back to those parts of ourselves that didn't have a voice that didn't have the safety that didn't have the perspective to understand what was happening and when we heal it and we can truly forgive it and i don't kind of like love i'm not sure humanity really knows what that word means same with forgiveness Um, i think we're going to really learn the depth of both of those words in the years to come and so when we truly forgive it completely cleans up the distortions clears the timeline and we can move forward in a more integrated and um, embodied way. Recently, before I think it was maybe right near Christmas time, I went back to my family. So I grew up um, no shame on family. You know, we had communicative conflict, and it would get um, definitely have a lot of like domestic tension. And you know, there was that sense of just like a vileness, like things would pop off. It was very nuclear mm. is what I call it. And that's why it's funny. We call it the nuclear family. <laughs> oh God, I never <laughs> even thought of it that way. Um, so what happened last time I was home and my dad likes to nudge, you know, like he likes to see if you've got your crab shell on mm-hmm. and if you're protecting yourself with your softness and quote unquote, he was in my like waking up process I'm an empath. My narcissist is my dad, you know? Right. So when he does these things, I have this program belief like, oh, this is my narcissist testing my waters and trying to get me to be in their program, be in their narrative. So he did a little bit of that and I popped, like I popped off. Mm-hmm. And then I'm talking like, I was like, I threw my nutritional yeast across the kitchen. Whoa. Like near at my mom. Um, I like call my parents mean names. Mm-hmm. And then I came out about all of this stuff, like about just what my dad did to like my parents' marriage, how he hasn't like talked to us consciously and sat both me and my brother down. But mind you, I'm like yelling, mm-hmm. like I'm like yelling, yelling. My parents, like my mom told me to pack up my stuff. I packed up my stuff. And then we get to this place where like my dad doesn't want me to go, comes outside and like comes and gets me. So he's like stepping into this role of like after I've been like after I've been volatile, 
from growing up from them being volatile. So it's this weird karmic thing that um, I'm obviously playing out with like not holding my, my own integrity. So I guess when we wake up, my parents brought me in, you know, they had me look at like my, my violence and my like projection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they sat me down and my dad left and my mom was like, you know, you need to do this work. You need to like go through and not react to this violence that you know mm-hmm. has like been from your father and from other people. Because she's done it too. She knows she's not innocent and she's not going to sit there and be like, you got it all from someone. So I think a thing that I, I'm not doing consciously is I'm here at this awakened state. I'm like, well, I can move past my reactions now. Um, I don't have to be in that like paradigm and that program that I was in from one years old to 18 years old with my family. Um, but why can't I go back and rewrite it with them? Why did I have to go back and like, I told my parents like, yeah, you pushed me to do sports, but you never, like they never let me dance Mm. because they thought it was an effeminate thing. They didn't want, it's not like they never said no. They just never went through with giving me dance lessons or like gymnastic lessons. And so I like spit at them about all of this stuff that like they kept me from. And I think it's a weird thing because I'm, I'm using so much distortion to continue to reel out something for myself. But then yet I'm quote unquote sitting here and I'm like, let's all like share a truth and be awake, be <laughs> awake, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, that's where I'm constantly having to reshape because that home, that center is where it just triggers. Oh yeah. I mean, what's the saying? Like if you think you're enlightened, spend a week with your family I think that's Ram Dass, actually. <laughs> Bless your soul, brother. Um, yeah, because, and I have a friend who's actually, he was just back home um, with his dad, and, and he's a very, you know, high vibrational being, and he was put through the ringer, too, you know, so you're far from alone on that. Um, and, you know, I think, especially when we get close to the source um, uh, with our family of origin, that um, that's when those latent programs are going to pop up. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, there's just nobody like our family that can trigger there's us. There's nobody <laughs> like our family, that's for sure. You know, I even struggled, like, going back to see my mom a couple years ago, a um, year and a half ago, and even though she and I have healed so much and so much has cleared out, it was still really difficult because, you know, her lifestyle is very different, um, and, you know, we were visiting in Oklahoma, and... You know, so it was hot and muggy and, you know, it's just a very different, you know, restaurants are kind of like tricky, you know, for me with my food stuff. And so it was just a very different environment. And um, and so, you know, it's a good challenge, though, too. Yeah. Although, yeah, throw in your nutritional yeast. My I know, girl, trust <laughs> me, trust me. They put they push it. But we all totally. I think we all push it. Like, I know how to push them. I think I was doing it in conjunction, like not. Also, just letting them push me, but reacting so that I can get the push back from them. Well, and I mean, bless it. You've got a lot of great information now. Yeah. And now, and what we do is like once we identify the trigger or the program, it can take time. But as we identify it faster and faster in the process, there's less pain and suffering and damage. Mm. And yeah. so we, we start to reel ourselves back to the present moment. And that's what it really yeah. is. Yeah. Until finally you're operating in the present moment. Your dad says something and you're like. I see you, dad, and I love you, and I'm not going to react. 
and you can let him be an asshole. You can let him poke you all you want. And I love how you use the crab shell because, you know, you soft little cancer, you. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's definitely, yeah. And that's funny because I think we we forget that our practice, like just our what we go through day to day and not reacting is um, in a way just like our impenetrating armor. And it's not that you always have to wear that. But you just need to be aware of like what what to let in and what yeah. not to let in, you know? Well, and I think it's just empowering just to know that we have a choice. And it takes a while to really grok that truth because we want everyone else to make us comfortable. We want everyone else to stop triggering us. We want everyone else to like give us the life exactly. we want. And yet we have to we once we understand that that's within our choice, that's when we're empowered. So need to finish up. Things are getting a little, things getting a little close. Um, <laughs> where can people find you, and what are you providing for the collective? Right now, so I'm on Instagram at I am Templux, and that's T E M P L U X, Temple of Light. Um, so, um, so there, I have transmissions there. Um, what else do I have going on? Um, Templux also has a Facebook page. Um, and I'm also doing coaching and mentoring, and I do that remotely and locally. Um, and that is really proving to be really gratifying to me. It's some of the best work that I, I want to do more of it. So yeah. if anyone resonates with anything I've talked about, um, you know, I'm a, a pretty good program buster. And it takes, it does take some willingness to go through some uncomfortable stuff or at least use concepts to look at ourselves honestly. So, you know, for the people who are ready for that work, I'm here and let's do it. And that's the main reason why I have Karen on here is because I believe we are moving into a new place where we can provide for ourselves and provide for each other. Yes. And so once we discover that, I know it's going to take some shifting. A lot of people are probably like, oh, what is this? Like, what are you talking about? But it's, we're going to shift it. We're going to shift how we all share the resource. No, res no resource. It's not like it hasn't been touched by one person, really. Like you get a dollar bill. How many hands did it touch? So we're all connected on that sharing and that exchange of resource. So going forward, Karen's going to be showing up more and more on the podcast, um, especially as we move forward just with our own descension and ascension our own expansion in general um and i'm really proud that she was my first guest oh i'm so honored this yeah. is so much fun and i cannot wait to do more thank yeah. you so much thank you bye y'all <laughs>